Hey everybody, I'm Mike McDonald. My buddy Jesse Stratton loves some of the cheesiest movies ever made. He spent years telling me about them all, so now I'm finally watching these movies for the very first time. This is our podcast where we break those movies down together. This is the Celluloid Dumpster Fire. Hey everybody, today we're talking about the 1996 big budget sci-fi action film, Space Truckers, starring Dennis Hopper, Debbie Mazar, and Stephen Dorff. This is a big departure for us, doing a big budget film like this. Yeah, kind of. It, it, they put a lot of money into it, but it still has like that really nice like B-movie feel. It definitely does. Uh, this movie that was made with, with a budget of $25 million, it made $1 million at the box office, and it has a freshness rating on Rotten Tomatoes of 15%. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I refuse to believe that this was shown in theaters. I don't know about that box office thing. Uh, I, I remember renting it on VHS, VHS, you know, when I was a kid. Right. I hell out of it. This movie was also involved in a lawsuit between Dennis Hopper and Rip Torn, who was Zed on Men in Black. Apparently, Dennis Hopper was being sued for saying that during the filming of Easy Rider, Rip Torn pulled a knife on him. And to attempt to settle the lawsuit, Hopper's lawyers had floated the idea of giving Rip Torn a supporting role in this movie, <laughs> which he uh, he turned it down. Hopper did lose the defamation lawsuit and had to pay four hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. You know, that's that's weird. Rip Torn making a like a like a good decision to not be, appear in this movie. Yeah, he made a career out of bad decisions. Yeah, he definitely made some really bad films, but yeah. skipped out on this one because of Dennis Hopper. I, mean, I love Dennis Hopper. Yeah, in this movie, man. This movie is written by Ted Mann, who's best known for his work as a writer and producer on NYPD Blue, Homeland, yeah. and the HBO series Deadwood. Yeah, I love Ted Mann. I love NYPD Blue. Deadwood's one of the best shows of all time. I like, yeah, like everybody works on this. They, they, they're like high class. They know what they're doing. These yeah. are like like sharp guys. You know, Deadwood took. Over over the three seasons that it was on Emmy Awards for acting, writing, directing, cinematography, and earned every single one of them. That series is a masterpiece. Oh yeah, it, hell, it, it a lot of people think it was The Sopranos, but like, nah, Deadwood was first, and like that made HBO like a powerhouse new television genre. Right. Yeah. Directed by Stuart Gordon, known for. His work as writer-director on Reanimator, ER, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and Masters of Horror. Yeah, oh man, Stuart Gordon's one of my favorite directors. Reanimator series, that's so great. Uh, From Beyond, which is another one where, like, anytime him and Jeffrey Combe, like, team up in a movie is great. Uh, yeah, he was, like, main producer of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah. Uh, just a solid dude. So as we said, the movie stars Dennis Hopper as John Canyon. Dennis Hopper has over 200 acting credits to his name from 1954 to 2018, which was eight years after he died. Yeah, he's that good. 
the man. Uh, I loved him in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 as that crazy uh, sheriff guy. Yeah. I love Vinny. So he's best known for Easy Rider, 24, Blue Velvet, Speed, and Waterworld. Yeah. <laughs> he's also oh, known for being eaten by vengeful zombies in Land of the Dead. Oh, man, that was a great one. I, I, I saw that in the theaters twice that summer. I remember when it came out. Also stars Debbie Mazar as Cindy, known for her roles on Entourage, Goodfellas, L.A. Law, and So I Married an Axe Murderer. She was also in like uh, cult classics like uh, Empire Records, Nowhere. She was uh, she voiced a character in the GTA Three. Yes, she, she was, did. Uh, you're the the mafia guy's girlfriend that you kidnapped or whatever. Yep. She also played Doreen the Evil Bitch on the Friends episode, the one where Rachel has a baby part one. Ooh, and uh, I think she got her start as Madonna's backup dancer. She was actually hired to do Madonna's makeup. Yeah, but I remember uh, that Madonna... Like, and yeah, she, she did. She did give her um, parts in, in like four different videos, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Then we have Stephen Dorff as Mike Pucci. <laughs> known for his roles in Blade, True Detective, and Immortals. He had bit parts in iconic TV shows like Roseanne, Family Ties, Blossom, and Married with Children. I love him in uh, the movie The Gate, where he's a kid, you know, and they get yeah. they, they, those demons. And uh, the cult movie uh, SFW, where he plays like a uh, survivor of like a terrorist attack. And he has to deal with the losing his friend and stuff. Yeah. It's a real good movie. Next, we have George Went as Keller, best Hell known yeah. as Norm Peterson from Cheers. Evening, everybody. No! What's shaking, Norm? All four cheeks and a couple of chins, coach. Performed with Second City from 1974 to 1980, had eight appearances on Saturday Night Live, all of them as superfan Bob Swirsky. We are coming to you live from Dicka's here on Thanksgiving Day, a day for giving thanks for, or taking punishment from, a team that is known as Stubbers. Stubbers. I love it when he does like little parts like this, like he was in uh, that movie House uh, with William Cat, and he's just like the drunk neighbor guy that gets pulled into the shit. I love when, like, when he does stuff like that. Also appeared on Sabrina the Teenage Witch and the ill-fated George Went show that <laughs> ran for half a season before being canceled. Man, they canceled that thing like the second episode. Yeah, oh, he also does like a lot of like cartoons that are, are, like because like he's got a really distinct voice. Not as much as the the, the mailman from Fears though. That guy's like in all that Toy Story movies. He was an Empire Strikes Back. As an extra, you can pick that mustache like out of a lineup, man. Next, we get our real heavy hitters for uh, oh, yeah. Shane Rimmer as EJ Sags. Worked mostly in England playing Americans on TV and in movies. But here's our first Bond character. He was in Dr. Strangelove. He was in Rollerball, The Spy Who Loved Me, and Batman Begins. He appeared uncredited in... You Only Live Twice, Diamonds Are Forever, Star Wars, and Superman 2. Damn. That's also our first of several star Superman references for this movie. 
Next up is Dr. Nabel or Captain Macanudo. Charles yeah. Dance, best known game. as Tywin Lannister in Game of Thrones. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, man. He was in uh, Golden Child. He was in the Golden Child. He was in the Crown Labyrinth for your eyes only. There's another Bond reference for you. And Alien uh, 3. Last Action Hero. Um, that Oh, Gosford Park. Yes. Uh, Gosford Park is a great movie, man. I highly recommend that. And finally, we got to get one more Superman reference in there. We never see her on screen. We only hear her voice, Sandra Dickinson, as Bitch and Betty, who was <laughs> in Superman 3. Awesome. Oh, was she the chick in Superman 3? She had a cameo appearance in Superman 3 as the wife of a man who puts a grapefoot in her face after seeing the size of a bill from Bloomingdale's. Wow. A year later, she made an appearance as a party guest in Supergirl. Oh, man, that movie sucked. There's a Superman and Bond villain or Bond character wrap up for this movie. All right. So the film opens up on Triton, Neptune's largest moon. And we get a little flyby of the planet. So special effects, while they may not be great, they spent a lot of money on them. Oh, yeah. All of model work and stuff and like the CGI is like pretty top notch. There is a couple of things, but the, you know, right. It's just good for, you know, caliber movie. Yep. So we get a flyby of Neptune and its moon. And then we zoom down to the per to the surface and fly through a canyon just because we can. Hell yeah. It's got that nice little like, uh, like you're on a roller coaster, kind of like those uh, movie rides, you know? Right. Let me come up out of the canyon to see a fortress that looks like it's preparing for an attack. A uh, mercenary force is locking themselves inside. They are sealing the room. And it seems like this is a, a test of some sort. Except when they spot what they're supposed to be looking for, the perimeter guards start getting killed by the tests. Yeah, it's totally like a drill. You know, people are a little too calm, but like, you know, they're, they're alert. And yeah, as soon as like the, the, the flyby boys do, they're like, thank They're like radio in. It's like, uh, hey, something's not going right here. We lost the target. You know, they start getting, you know, everybody starts sweating. Then the radio communications people tell the the one of the, the pilots in the aircraft that they've lost communication with the perimeter guard. And he tells them, oh, you didn't lose communication. You lost him. He's dead. Yeah. And whatever it is, is now at the room where they are. It's right outside and it's burning a hole through what we saw was a foot thick steel door. Yeah. Well, it burns through and a single robot steps through the hole. It only takes a second to burn a hole through this big enough that a uh, a six or seven foot robot can step through it. Yeah, he, he melted like butter. Yeah, it's really how they did that. Yeah, the robot comes in and all the soldiers that are in this room open fire, but their bullets don't do anything to robots. No, this, in all the movies we've ever talked about on this podcast if there's one thing we've learned about robots it's that bullets won't do anything to them it just makes little sparks go off like their chest and that's it yeah that's it and uh i mean it's it's a really really cool looking robot it, it is 
it's so awesome. It kind of reminds me of this PlayStation game called MDK, Uber Badass. You know, it kind of looks like something that like HR uh, Geiger would have like made, kind of, but like light, you know? And, yeah. Uh, I also want to say, like, this movie, I love whoever was the costume designer on this movie, they did a great job, like, making you feel like you're in the future. Like, everybody's wearing like space clothes and it fits, you know? Like, it really looks good. I mean, everybody. Everybody's costume is great. Costume designed by Anne and John Bloomfield. Well, they did their job really well. Like, I love how the laser beam does this weird, uh, like, when it hits human flesh, it does this weird bubbling thing to it. Yeah. Turns it into this green and purple bubbly goo. Slime, yeah. What's weird here, Anne Bloomfield only has two credits. One is Space Truckers. And then seven years earlier, she was assistant costume supervisor for Phantom of the Opera. Wow. That, that's it. One credit in 89 and one in 86 or 96. I mean, John Bloomfield, he's got lots of credits here. Yeah, so he's um, a visionary. Actually, as a director, though. Oh. Not really for costume. That's his only costume director credit is, is Space Truckers. Wow. Yeah, so these people didn't do much, but they did it well. Yeah, they did it really good. I love the look of this movie. Like, the costumes really match all the sets. Like, the, like these scientist guys and these soldier guys, they look like they belong at this base, you know? Right, right. Well, the robot vaporizes the soldiers. We see a bunch of shins in boots just falling down like dominoes because the rest of the body's gone. It's been vaporized. Yeah, it's turned to slime and, and stuff, bubbles. Yep. The robot takes out every soldier in the room. Then it's coming for Sags and Dr. Nabel. And Dr. Nabel pulls out his little robot remote control and powers it down. And they consider that a successful test. <laughs> Sags thinks this is a great idea and if they had a hundred of them they could take over Earth oh wait how many do we actually have is this the only one nope we got 5,000 of them yeah I was like, damn what were they doing on Neptune man building those robots oh shit <laughs> yeah well when Nabel hears or when Sags hears this he's, he's thrilled However, yeah. all of this has to be deniable. And Nabel, Dr. Nabel's the only one with a full picture of the project. So he's got to die. Now, Dr. Nabel made the fatal mistake of giving Sags the remote control and setting his voice for priority command. Yeah. He, so, he figured smart scientist guy, he wouldn't be this dumb. You would think. Yeah. But yeah, Sags powers the robot on and tells him to destroy Dr. Nabel. And he does. Then we get our title sequence, complete oh, yeah. with cheesy country song. Oh, yeah. I love the the logo. And like in a lot of movies don't do that no more. Like you have like a nice big logo. It's mostly like little bitty, uh, like a font, you know, that they pick for the movie. But like this one, big ass logo. It looks like a belt buckle. Right. Space. Yeah. yeah. Big metallic looking thing. And it looks like they got it in the 70s, but like in outer space. <laughs> we see a space freighter traveling along a space trucking lane. Then inside the cab, we get a POV shot of 
zero gravity hot dogs and mustard. Oh man, that is so sweet. Like I, I love the little touches like that that they totally sell the zero G thing. Right, floating mustard. Uh, uh the 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 he just puts a stream of mustard in the air. Then he just lets go of the bottle. The bottle stays there. Then he takes his hot dog and just kind of touches the mustard and instantly splats. Right. It's great. Now, one thing about this movie is gravity is subject to direction. Gravity will either exist or not exist, depending on what the scene actually needs. Oh, yeah. Uh, They try to explain it. Well, everybody's got magnetic boots. But like, it's like, well, you're you're not even wearing shoes, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that definitely happened a few places. But uh, yeah, you know, hey. It's it's a cheesy movie. Get you a cheesy hot dog and a beer, and you know, shut up. It's a great movie. But yeah, he's he's pulling in, and uh, he's like, you know, hey, I'm just getting back from Mars with this uh, load of space hogs. Where do you want me? You know, truck yeah. drivers. Yeah, John Canyon is just arriving from Mars City. He has 147 trailers loaded with square pigs, and they direct him to a dock. Uh, meanwhile, he's passing billboards. It's just a forest of billboards. Yeah, this is like, uh, I don't know, like a Stuckey's or something out in the middle of space. It's just like this giant hub. Right. And just nothing but space truckers and people that work at this giant uh, truck stop. That's all that's on the, the satellite. Yeah. We've got ads for Jim Beam and Motorola. So we've got our paid product placement there. Oh, man, no, they started that off with the French's mustard, like, right up in your face. Right. You get that POV shot. Right. Everything's labeled out on this movie. Then we've got Einstein's relativity gauges and a billboard advertising liquid beef. We also have signs for moon sparkling water. It's lunified. (laughs) Rubik's Cuban cuisine. I like that one. Money back if you vomit. Circle dogs, don't feed them to your pet. <laughs> and Laxago. I go, go, go with Laxago because it's got rocket action. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's very like, uh, I don't know. It kind of reminds me of Fallout, but like if instead of like nuclear apocalypse, there's everything Star Trek. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Also, Interpork is on everything. Yes. Interpork is the company. Everybody works for Interpork because Interpork owns everything. Now, much like our last movie where uh, everything was referred to as a future thing because we were in the future, in this movie, it's all a space thing because we're in space. Yeah, we're just going to put space in front of everything and it's going to work. And it does work. Yeah, it kind of works. You kind of don't notice. They do a really good job of world building. Like I said earlier, like the set design is on point. The the costumes on point. Right. The little the little practical effects of like stuff floating. Like uh like he goes back there to check on the hogs and stuff, right? And he's got like these coveralls, like truck coveralls, right? Yes. But he's got the sleeves off. And like all he did is like put like coat hangers and like spray starts the hell out of that. And it looks like they're floating. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it and does. Genius! It's so genius that they did that to like just sell, you know, that anti gravity thing. Right. And another thing that I liked uh, with this, every time he goes back into uh, to check on the trailers, when we look at this, he's got three rows of trailers and kind of in a in a Y formation. And so every time the door opens, 
you see the camera kind of swing to one side so that he's kind of off center. Yeah, they, they do the Dutch angle. And then like he steps from where the airlock is, which looks like it's sideways to a yep. straight. And it's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. So he's docked and he's checking on his square pigs. He ends up feeding his hot dog to one of the square pigs. Oh, man, that's just that's wrong. The pigs are square because much like the square watermelons where you see them grow inside a box, they've done the same thing with these pigs. Yeah. There, there is a note on the, all of the cages to overfeed these hogs, I, I guess, so that they stay square. You don't want them to shrink in the box. I don't know, man. These <laughs> are like two modified hogs. They're, that's not, I mean, and they did a good job on that effect. Too. Right. These things are gross looking. And it looks like a pig. It's like a brick of it. Yeah. But they've got human teeth. Yeah, that's kind of creepy. Yeah. <laughs> and the flat face kind of looks weird too, because like usually pig's faces are like a snout, you know? This right. is just a face. Right. Well, Keller arrives with two other people. Canyon wants to know when he's gonna be paid. And Keller just tells him, you know unhook your rig come by the office in half an hour and i'll give you a check well john's not gonna go for that he's not unhooking until he gets paid even though that's not company policy yeah see this is where you learn that john is independent contractor right and like man yeah truck drivers they they don't like those guys i mean if you're gonna be a truck driver be those guys but like yeah you know everybody else they just got to do what the company does this guy's So not only is he an independent uh, owner-operator, he's also very late with this load. Eh, He got it there. It was like, you know, well, a couple hours. Wait, no, it was a couple of days. It was like a couple of days. Yeah, he's a couple of days late. Yeah, they're still fed. (laughs) Well, he wants his 6,000 credits. Keller tells him he's only going to give him 1,500. And he's only going to do uh, that out of uh, an intense feeling of generosity. Yeah. Because you're George, old and stuff. Yeah. Uh, George Wentz line delivery. Everything in this is like really intense. Right. You know, like, like a, like, I don't know, like some kind of old, like chief of police, but also it's like heavily, heavy, heavy sarcastic. Right. The, the, every line he does in this movie is great. Well, John's not going for that. So Keller instructs his guy jackie to rough him up except jackie doesn't know how to fight in zero gravity yeah he totally missed it yeah well john ducks out of the way and then demonstrates the correct technique punching jackie in the face and knocking his front teeth out oh man that's a great shot also uh it goes to show how it's justified as this being a b movie he does like a jackrabbit punch and he starts spinning backwards yes and when you (laughs) Totally see those strings, man. <laughs> like, try to hide them. And he spins like two times and then cheap CGI teeth and blood just are, like flying in the thing. That totally, like, that's, I'm like, yeah, that's a B movie right there. Absolutely, uh, it is. Yeah. Next, we cut to the hub diner. This is, like you said, a Stucky's style diner. There are booths along the wall along with the lunch counter. Oh, but I love that set, how it does, like, uh, kind of like in uh, 2001, where it's like the booths are around in a circle. Yeah, you know? they they like, did that really well. They the the whole thing kind of curves like it's like it's supposed to be sideways on the around the outside of the space station. 
They actually, now, they, yeah, they built that like that, but like they only built like a section of it. And they just, the way they filmed it made it look like it was like infinite. Yeah. It just goes, it goes up the wall basically because they only show, um, they, they, they show really tight shots on, on the people who are talking and maybe one or two people next to them. And you can, you can see, if you look at the boots behind them, the, the people, the person in the booth with his back to the camera is basically laying down. The people on the opposite side of the table, they're braced against the table to keep them in oh, yeah. there. There's the people at the lunch counter are kind of sitting at an angle up this slope here. But it works. Yeah, it's great. Um, most of the people are wearing brightly colored coveralls that are way too big for them. And either cowboy hats or trucker style baseball caps. Yeah, it's, it's a truck style. Yeah. <laughs> Also, it's like they got like it's like race car drivers. They got like patches all over these, uh, all over coveralls and stuff. Yeah. Yep. Next, we meet Cindy. She's a waitress at the diner, and Mike Pucci, who is a space trucker in training. John and Mike make small talk about John's rig and his age, because well, John drive drives a Pachyderm two thousand, which means oh, you've been out here for a long time, then. Yeah, it, it's it, it's like a Mack truck. It's like old school truck, and it's like you know, it's got the big elephant head on the front of it. Yeah, and it, it's it's kind of sexy. It's got rims, you know, like the other trucks are boxy, and this is like from like you know a more elegant age, I guess. You know, it's like everything's got curves, you know. Right. Well, Mike leaves to take his uh, take his final test to become a space trucker. And this yeah. is where we find out that John and Cindy used to date and she's over it, but he totally isn't. We also find out that Cindy's trying to get a ticket back to Earth to be with her mother who needs an operation. John offers to take her with him to Earth if she will agree to marry him. And she agrees because she knows that he's not going to take her to Earth. Yeah. She just says, yeah, all right, whatever. And, uh, but yeah, he's like, you know, he's scheming. You see the, like the gears working in behind his eyes and stuff. Right. We cut back to John's rig and we see two guys using a sonic ice pick to start up John's rig and unhook his load of square pigs. Yes. Uh, it's the guys from Interport, the one that knocked out earlier and the, the other guy, the shorter one. Right. Jackie and his, his buddy are unhooking John's load of square pigs. John's leaving the diner for some reason, and he stops at a table to talk to some old friends. They mentioned that their buddy Kev got ambushed by hijackers in the scum cluster, and he's dead. They're going to have a, a wake for him after the memorial service. <laughs> they said that uh, Captain Macanudo got him, and oh, the only thing they sent back was his wiener, and they're going to bury him in a tennis ball can. Cremation have been more dignified. Would have been, yeah. Would have been, yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh man, I love the way that lady delivers that line. She's like, there's like all these big, rough-looking truck drivers, and like this one little lady, and I don't know, she seems like the toughest one at that table, but yeah. so. So, like, he's there at this truck stop, and his load's been hijacked, and he's, like, you know, kind of dazed. He's out money and stuff, and he's trying to get, you know, his pick back to Earth. 
And then he learns his friends that. So he's like, oh, well, I'll just get drunk and think about it. Yep. So Meanwhile, then, Keller calls Mike Pucci to his office. Pucci just graduated space truck school. And Keller wants him to take a load of square pigs to Little Chicago on Titan. Pucci asks, wasn't that John Canyon's load? And Keller said that he fired Canyon. It's now an interpork load. So Pucci takes the job and Keller gives him a requisition order to get his brand new pink probationary coveralls. Pink? Yeah, they're pink. (laughs) (laughs) Back at the diner, John finds out that Mike took his job and they are about to fight when Keller and his two goons come in to pay their respects. But we all know they're there to start something. Yeah. You don't bring two goons to a funeral. I don't know. It depends on kind of funeral. I've been a couple of funerals, but yeah, it's usually brown. <laughs> I've heard of fights starting at a funeral. This is probably the first time I've seen it. Yeah. And they're also here to kick John off the space station. He's uh, not a company driver. He can't be on the company station. And a classic bar brawl ensues. This is awesome. It is like an old west bar brawl. Like, even though it's in space, it, it's got that western feel to it. I even think, like, yeah, they play like some kind of like western style music when this happened. Right. It sounds like some, like, I don't know, recycled music from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure when they're their bar brawl it's like the same kind of tempo and stuff yeah it's not quite the guy playing the piano but you get the feeling yeah well jackie takes a shot at at john and he misses him but his bullet blows out one of the windows and the diner starts to decompress everything's being sucked out of the window into space we go um, flying yeah, everybody's trying to grab onto the, the lunch counter to keep from being sucked out of the window. And Keller is trying to get there. Cindy tries to reach him to grab his hand, but she can't. And he gets sucked butt first through the window. It looks like everything's kind of stopped. You know, he's stuck up against the wall with his butt covering the window. And it looks like everything's all right. Yeah, he kind of even gives like a sigh of relief or like a little laugh. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe my fat ass saved me. (laughs) Yeah, well, not for long because Keller gets sucked butt first through the window and out into space. This is less gorier than in Aliens, like, but at the same time, it's way cooler because like it's totally cartoony. There's like no gore to it. They just fold him up, this fat guy up like a folding chair. Yeah. Like a little porthole window. It's so funny. Oh my God. It, it's like, it's like Looney Tunes or something, the way this happened. Yeah. It's just his head, his arms, and his legs waving through this window before he gets sucked out of it. Oh man. That face he makes is <laughs> it's so funny. I had to watch it like two or three times when I was re- rewatching this movie. Well, before he gets sucked out the window, when it, when he's, He's thinking that maybe things are going to be okay. You hear this rumbling sound like he's about to take a massive dump. And so you kind of get the impression that maybe he got sucked out the window through his own butthole. Yeah, that's that's definitely. But that's yeah, it was it was guts first straight out the window. <laughs> but yeah, see, it was gorier than aliens, I guess. I mean, because that would suck and turned inside out that way. But they don't show that, you know, right. it's like. They do it cartoony and it still works. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. 
EGI blood and stuff. It just bam. Right. Well, John Canyon grabs Cindy. Cindy grabs Mike Pucci, and they head out of the diner. They need to get out of there, um, and they need to hide because, well, security's going to come for them because Keller wanted them off the off the space station. Yeah. So space cops are on the prowl. They are. So the three of them head into the women's restroom where the stall doors all look like porta potties. Yeah, I like that touch. Yeah, it did look good. They opened up one and a woman starts screaming at him. And John walks in anyway. Cindy asks, come on, this one's occupied. We got to go. No, it's okay. And he reaches in and he just puts his hand in her mouth and flips the top of her head back. And there's a little keypad. This is John's personal secret escape elevator. I don't know about that. This is awesome. Like, all right, for one, that lady screaming on the toilet. I love her. She did her job very well. Yes. Two, the effects guys, when like it unhinges, it still looks like her. It's so creepy. Yeah, the uh, paint on that on that prop is fantastic. This whole scene reminds me of the uh, Eddie Bauer scene in uh, Rock and Roll High School. Like he's got that office set up in the bathroom. Yep. And that's what it reminds me of. Like this guy, this is like where people come to Will and Dill is this bath. Yeah. Like this is where all the shady shit happens. You want to do a truck deal and you don't want any paperwork. You don't have paperwork. This is where you go. Well, he punches in his secret code, which is one, four, six. And the entire floor of the, of the restroom stall starts going down very, very slowly. Yeah. A little slower than I thought it would go down, considering that the security is going from stall to stall looking for John and his buddies. And it's like the second stall. They, I mean, you hear them open the door. You hear the lady say the same thing. Right. And if it's like time permitting or whatever, they should be like like chest deep at that thing. At yeah. The rate this, but yeah, and all the, like the cops don't even say and stuff. Yep. They managed to get away. They come out in a secret office, probably, where we meet Mr. Zesty. Zesty is apparently a black market dispatcher. He gets John a load of something going to Earth. Yeah. The manifest says that they are sex dolls. However, Mr. Zesty says quite plainly that this manifest is forged. Yeah. Also, uh, like the way this person talks, really creepy. Very creepy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's like Liberace and the Crypt Keeper mixed together. Yep. He pulls his glasses down on his nose and there's just little blinking lights on the inside of his glasses. Yeah. Uh, kudos to him for putting up with that nonsense. Yeah. You know, they're blind the entire time. They're exactly like, they're annoying as shit. But yeah, they get, they get. They get the thing. It's a bunch of sex dolls going to Earth. Got to yep. be there in two days. Has to be there in two days. It absolutely must arrive on time. And don't tamper with the containers. The look, do not touch this. <laughs> no questions. Just get there. 
Hey everybody, Mike McDonald here. I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about our Patreon, where you can support this podcast for as little as $1 per episode. And when you make a pledge at any level, that money allows us to make donations to film schools all across the country. It's our way of giving a little something back to the great people who make the movies we enjoy so much. So go to patreon.com slash cdfpod and join at any level. No matter which level you choose, we think you're awesome for supporting the filmmakers of tomorrow. Patreon.com slash cdfpod. This next scene confused me. They're running from the law. There's yeah. panic on the, on the space station. So what we see inside John's rig is John and Mike Pucci very casually working on his truck, doing a tune-up while they wait for Cindy to arrive. The whole First part of this movie suffers from a lot of editing stuff. Like the whole part where, like, uh, they call my, uh, Mike Pucci to the office to go take his truck, uh, yeah. truck drive test. Uh, yeah. The funeral scene, like, everything seems like it's like way out of order or something. You Even think this, maybe they cut it for time? I think that, or they just like, just like, well, this is kind of like going nowhere, you know? Also, like, maybe they had to like edit uh, bits out where it's like they drop plot lines. Yeah, like, like this plot doesn't work now because we edited this out, so we got to cut this out. That's true uh, too. Yeah, until they get into outer space, like the movie is kind of weird. It's all over the place, and it, I don't know that that works for pacing. You know, time. Right. It is like a roller coaster ride. You get on, da da da. Let's get into the truck. You know, but yeah, they're like casually like talking about John's you know relationship with uh, Cindy and. You know, it does a lot of time. Like, you know, oh, you think, you know, the cops got her? It's like, oh, no, she's good. You know, it's like, why are y'all so... Yeah, she's just getting her stuff, apparently. So Mike wants to know what John's relationship with Cindy is because he kind of likes Cindy, and he's pretty sure Cindy likes him. Well, Cindy arrives around then, and she hands John her suitcase, which immediately pops up and allows her underwear to float away. <laughs> that was yeah they usually do that they have like stuff on a string hanging yeah but that was totally cgi underwear yeah because it just pops out of there like a jack-in-a-box it was also totally impractical underwear oh yeah well it's space underwear space underwear makes all makes it uh completely make sense now yeah i mean you've seen the fifth <laughs> element you know what they wear that's true that's true <laughs> well there's also a picture floating out of it and john says oh, i haven't seen this before and it's a picture of Cindy's mom. Uh, she said it's a picture that was taken before Cindy was born. It looks like a blonde Cindy. A little bit, yeah. And, and John kind of likes a picture of Cindy's mom. Well, they uh, start up the truck and they start to head out. Again, nobody's chasing them. Uh, but they do see their, their load of suspicious cargo that they have to take to Earth. And they, they all think they look really creepy, but they're going to hook up to them anyway because, well, we got to get to Earth. Yeah. And like uh, the other uh, earlier and stuff, the other rigs or the trailers that you see, they're all painted like white with this got logos. All of These are like like really dark, like, I don't know, it's like really black kind of like stuff or like uh, like scorch marks, like where it's been shot at, you know, they look dirty, you know. Right, right. they do like, look uh, very know, dirty, and, and John mentions look, that, that they look like they've traveled a long way before even getting here. Yeah. Well, they hook up anyway, and 
Poochie explains to to John the you know even at maximum speed we're going to be sixty hours late with this delivery. Yeah, they got forty eight hours. Oh, it's also, it's going to take them one hundred and twenty eight hours to get there. One hundred and eight hours to get there. As soon as they pull out of that place with the load, that's when the cops show up. Right, right. So, um, because uh, remember, Mike told John when they were hooking up, as soon as we pull out of here, cops are going to be all over us. And they sure gotta, enough, they pull out yeah. and there are the cops. And then he's like, you know, there will even, you know, if we lose the cops, you know, we, we'll still be like, you know, 60 hours late or something. There's no way we're going to make this. That's if we stick to the shipping lanes, he tells them. And in order to lose the cops, John makes a hard right and he gets out of the shipping lane, which causes the police to just stop chasing him. If you're in outer space between the light poles, they can chase you. Once you get outside the light poles, they can't chase you anymore. Well, it kind of makes sense. I don't know. Not really. But like, all right. So like the way this works. Like you got these space trucks and they're on this road. And so like inside those buoys are the road. Right. It's got like thing. So once you get off that, you know, I, I don't know, because like, I guess they work on GPS or something. They can't like, you know, we don't know where the hell it went, you know, but like, uh, I don't know. It kind of makes sense in this weird space world. It's, yeah. But it's like, it's kind of like an old trucker. Like, you know, well, if I'm on the highway, the cops are going to get me. So if I go to like some back road, some dirt road, that yeah. should be. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So, so yeah, we if we take the charted routes, it'll take us that long. But we're going the uncharted routes, and we'll yeah. get there faster. So we cut to the next morning. John is microwaving tubes of breakfast paste for them. <laughs> Mike asks if they're on time, and comments that he sees they've left the space lane. Well, yeah, they did that when the cops were chasing them. But John says, yeah, we left the space lane about six hours ago. So we're going to pretend this makes sense and just move on because it's too much work to try to figure it out. <laughs> That's more that editing, man. Yeah. Well, now they're flying through a giant debris field. This is the scum cluster. Yeah. Bitch and Betty, which is the computer on John's truck announces that they are approaching a level 10 asteroid field and they're traveling too fast for evasive maneuver. But they can't see anything until the headlights hit it and it's black rock. So, like, instead of black ice, I got black asteroids, which are like these, I don't know, onyx asteroids in space. Right. So it's it's pretty much space black ice. Exactly. John manages to navigate through the asteroid field just fine. They think they're clear. Oh, wait. Here comes a little bitty black asteroid out of nowhere, and it smashes right into the side of them, knocking out their engines and, more importantly, their air conditioner. They can fix it, right? And John tells them, yeah, we can fix it, but there's a five-hour cool-down period, and in two hours, we'll be burned alive. <laughs> Damn. Well, John's got an idea. He's going to go outside and he's going to unhook these trailers from the rig. Then they can use the emergency engines to get the truck in the shadow of an asteroid where they can hang out and not roast while they wait for the five-hour cooldown. That's going to put them back on some time. It is. It is. (laughs) While John's out there, 
trying to get this done, uh, he leaves Mike and Cindy alone inside the truck. Mike offered to go help him, but but John told him, no, it's a one-man job. You stay here. <laughs> well, it's getting hot inside the truck, so Mike and Cindy decide the obvious thing to do. Let's get naked and make out. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to be all like macho and stuff. I love how like he puts on the the, the spacesuit too. All right, so he takes his uh, magnet shoe off. Right, get on the thing. Then he puts the spacesuit on. Like his legs are floating, but you can totally tell it's just like some sticks. Right. And uh, and then like, yeah, no, come on, John, don't do it. No, no, I, I got this. And he goes out, you know, his toolbox. Like he's gonna like you know, he's got like a like you know a hand. <laughs> and then it cuts back to them inside the pod, and they're like as far away as they can be, like on either side of the truck, right. And they're like, you know, they're sweating, you know, they got sprayed down and glistening and stuff. And they, they're flirting. And then like, yeah, it's like, yeah, it was, it's hot. Let's take our clothes off. And like one by one, like, you know, there goes the shoe because it's floating. There goes my leather vest because I'm like, you know, space cowboy is floating. Her shirt goes off, you know, it's just slowly like one, two, you know. But like every time they take off a piece of clothes, it just floats up on the screen. It's so fucking funny. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Mike has to turn upside down to take his his jeans off. <laughs> well, John's outside working to unhook the cargo when one of the trailers starts shooting at him. Yeah. Oh, man. The, right, they told so him not like, to mess with the cargo. Oh, yeah. He's out there. It's like magnetic locks or whatever. And he's like, you know, fidgeting with it like a screwdriver for some reason. Yeah. They like, try to try it. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, this little like spinner gun comes out and it looks like that thing from return of the Jedi, you know? Right. And he's, just, he's assessing the situation. Like, you know, he's like, okay, what's going on? All right. He's got, what is this screwdriver? And he like immediately starts blasting. I was like, knock that off. You know, I love yeah. that little character they gave for the robot gun. Cause he's like, yes. <laughs> and it's like, well, should I take action? Well, yeah. yeah. That's what you program to do. John goes back inside and, and he catches Mike and Cindy and he's getting mad about that. But then he has to admit to them that he can't unhook the load. Mike suggests that they reroute the refrigerator through the plumbing and maybe that'll cool things off. Except this is an old truck and John's cheap and the refrigerator was an option so he didn't get the refrigerator instead he's got a styrofoam cooler filled with beer let's all have a beer and we're all friends again hey that sounds like a plan i mean if that's your only option canyon yeah go for it yeah so they <laughs> all suck a zucks beer oh yeah i love that state hope branding thing suck yeah. a zuck out in the asteroid field we see that camouflage there this whole time has been this huge ship and got the pirate skull and crossbones painted on the side of it and everything and it's headed straight for john and mike and cindy almost like it, it comes out of the water like a shark the way they shot that or whatever yeah the cargo door opens in the front and it just swallows up their entire uh their truck and their entire load yeah, it's a big ship. This is like one of those, like, you know, like uh, Space Pirates and those anime shows. Yeah, yeah. One of those big, giant, like, spaceships. Bitch and Betty announces that they are being approached by an oligarch-class passenger liner 
but it's been hijacked. And now the hijackers have these guys. They break through and inform them that they're prisoners of the regalia. And then they list off all the things that'll get them killed. Also, Never mind. Uh, we're just going to kill you anyway. Yeah. That guy that comes in. Yeah. A lot. Uh, it's the guy from uh, Road Warrior. He was in Weird Science, pretty much playing the Road Warrior character. Yes. He's in a, a, a bunch of Australian comedies. He's great. He was a rugby player. Yeah, he's playing the Road Warrior character in this one, too, basically. Kind of yeah, looks like him, but with a ponytail. Yeah. Space Road Warrior. Well, they all get escorted out. John's still wearing his clothes. Mike and Cindy are still in their underwear. <laughs> When John can't tell the hijackers what's in the trailers, well, he gets zapped with a cattle prod and the hijackers chain them all up. And this is when Captain Macanudo enters. It's Dr. Nabel, only he's part robot now. <laughs> yeah. He heads uh, straight for Cindy and immediately cranks the perv up to 11. Oh, yeah. If, if you thought the guy... Uh, what was that doctor's name? And uh, what was that last episode we did? Yeah, the guy with the Hellraiser face. Oh, the Baron. Yeah. Okay. If you thought the Baron was like a pervy, like creep, nah, the, dude. This guy, uh, Macanudo. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> well, he does make any bones of bones about what he wants. Well, John interrupts uh, Captain Macanudo to thank the, him for saving them. He makes it clear that they don't work for the company. Uh, but when they can't tell Captain Macanudo what they're carrying, he decides to torture them by cutting off Mike Pucci's manly process. <laughs> That's a, a black way of saying that. Yeah. Then he has to do the standard B-movie supervillain thing and explain how he survived when Sags tried to kill him. and what his evil plan is. Apparently, he was attacked in his laboratory, which allowed him to completely rebuild himself. He goes on monologuing about how much of a genius he is. Right. And he rebuilt his body, like, you know, in, in like a matter of minutes. Like, got up at the same time. It's like, dude, you handed that guy that remote. I remember you badly. Exactly. Not, yeah. But yeah, no, he's uh, he's got a robot hand. He's got an SS hat. Uh, he's got weird glasses. And, he makes and, lots of servo sounds when he walks. Oh, yeah. He's totally like uh, Bio Man. Well, now the captain wants to have sex with Cindy. And he's just flat out says it. And, well, if it'll get him to Earth, she's willing to go along with it. She really wants to see her mom. Yeah. Next, we cut to the captain's bedroom. He offers Cindy various forms of sedation. <laughs> and All she right. just wants to get it over with. He pretty much offers her, like, uh, alcohol or space drugs. Yeah. And, like, nah, come on. Let's, you know, let's just do this. I want to get there. Well, he starts undressing to reveal that he's mostly robot, including all of the downstairs, which he has to be started with a pull cord. Yeah. But then it stalls out and he can't get it restarted. He should have tried the choke. <laughs> I think that's what he was trying when it stalled. Oh, did he prime it up? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but like, yeah, it is funny because he's like, he's like, I don't know. It's like trying to start like a weed whacker. <laughs> like it's oddly shaped, you know, and you're like, you got to put it on the ground or something to get it started. And you're like, okay, there we go. 
Well, back in the cargo hold, the true the crew are trying to figure out how to get into John's trailers. They got a big old uh, saw with a diamond blade to cut through it, and it just snaps it. Yeah. And of course, trying to break into it activates the security system, which immediately opens fire. But it's only shooting the hijackers. It's not shooting at John and Mike. Yeah. See, like that's earlier, like, you know, John learned that, like, if you don't present yourself as like a, a threat, the gun will leave you alone. Right. So it, I like that. It's like it's not just like a mindless robot. Yeah. Back in the bedroom, the captain finally manages to get his wiener running again. And he tries to have sex with Cindy, but she's just not into it. And so she unplugs one of his hydraulic lines, steals his clothes, and heads back down to the cargo bay. Yeah. Hey, she still gets his uh, cigar that's like smoking in the ashtray and just yeah. immediately. Yeah. In the bay, uh, there's nobody left there now except John and Mike and one of the hijackers named Scummy. And Scummy cannot tell the difference between Captain Macanudo and Cindy wearing Captain Macanudo's clothes. Yeah, Scummy's pretty stupid. Yeah. So she motions for him to let Mike and John down and, and he's going to go ahead and do it. Uh, until Captain Macanudo and the rest of the hijackers show up and <laughs> tell him to knock it, knock that off. Yeah, he instantly grabs his uh, coat and jacket, puts it back on. You know, he's like all robot. He got, he got back together pretty quickly. I give him that right. Much. Yeah. Was, well, he, she just unplugged off. one little hose. All well, he's no, got to do is plug that back in. What she did, like his legs and his arm, his robot arm fell off. Like okay. those are like some kind of important. But he, yeah, he got his his his, ro- his peg leg back on. He's got his robot arm back on. He's like in a bathrobe. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Give me my shit back, lady. And then it's like, uh, you know, he's about to. He's had it. He's just gonna kill them all. He grabs like the nearest thing, which is like a giant, like uh, like a butcher's thing. Like he's, he's, he's got some kind cleaver, of big like, meat cleaver. Like, yeah. He explains to Cindy that since she didn't have sex with him, he's gonna make her watch him kill uh mike and john yeah but john convinces him you know what you really should check out the cargo the the captain macanudo is pretty easy to distract yeah also i like when he does that when he's pursuing you know he's trying to persuade him to do that you see because he's got a robot brain you can see like in a bubble yes that like lights swirling yeah the lights start blinking And he's like weighing the shit out in his head. And he's like, yeah, he's got a point. I'm going to see what's in that. So they get that big, I don't know what it is. It's like a sonic space. It looks like a big jet engine, like some kind of big turbine. But it's it's a laser that actually melts a hole through the trailer door without setting off the security. Yeah, it's like some kind of like, I don't know, plasma drill or something. It's weird. Inside are killer robots. And they're starting to wake up. These are the disintegrators. That Dr. Nabel, or as he's now known, Captain Macanudo, um, invented. I love how, like, uh, the design of them. Like, you can totally tell those sculptures, you know? They're not right. like the suits that when the killbots are out, it's like an, a dude in a suit. Right. But it's like, they're like just these sculptures. And they look very, like, MC Escher, or not MC Escher, but uh, H.R. Geiger-esque, you know? Yes. One of the guys notices that a robot's out of position and then it pops up behind them and starts to kill him. Yeah. 
The hijackers are shooting at the robot and being zapped by his very loudly whining laser. It's like some electrical powering up thing that kind of got on my nerves after a while. Yeah. When it's like one or one robot in the scene active, it's not that bad. But when you got about like eight of those motherfuckers coming at you, like yeah. repeat. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the confusion, Cindy finds the keys and unhooks John and Mike so they can escape. John's looking for an escape path. And in the meantime, we see the killer robot extend this wicked looking sword from his arm. Uh, two movies in a row with the sword arm like that. <laughs> Yeah, I kept on getting flashbacks <laughs> and board when I was watching this. Cause <laughs> it's totally a dude in a suit, but the way they act and stuff is like, yeah, I don't know. Some parts you can tell it's like an actual, like, I don't know, like a robot, like at the beginning when it's like they give it the, the sleep command. That's a yep. statue. But when yes. it's like, acting, especially in the later parts of the movie, you totally see it's a guy in a suit with a thing on his Yeah, if you haven't listened to our episode about Manborg, stop right here. Go listen to the one about Manborg and then come back and pick up where this one is because the two have a lot in common. Yeah. It's just a bigger budget. Like zero dollars to too much dollars, you know, it's like Yep. So we see this um we see this killer robot with a giant sword arm just going nuts, slicing people up, even doing a back bend to slice the guy behind him right down the middle. Yeah, that was a cool shot. It was. I'll say he's like ninja kicking people and just all kinds of crazy shit. Right. He turned into a ninja and this is now a Kung Fu movie. <laughs> well, down the elevator comes a guy with the grenade and he arms oh, the grenade and throws it at the killer robot who immediately catches it, but he can't throw. He's got to spin around in a circle really fast and then launch the grenade. Dude, they put that fat guy on a string, and when the grenade hits him in the chest, he, you totally see the string pull him back. Yeah. And he falls back into the elevator, and he's like, oh, shit. And the door's closed, and you just hear the explosion. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, he launches that grenade so fast that when it hits the guy in the gut, it just launches him backwards into the elevator and blows him up. Well, the robot... Is he's he's completely given up on his disintegrator ray because it's I guess it's taking too long to charge and he can kill faster with the sword. So like I said, this is a martial arts kung fu battle now. Meanwhile, yeah. John opens up the cargo bay door and the gang run for his rig. Yeah, when they open that cargo bay door though, everybody starts getting sucked into space. The rest of the pirates, right? And like all the all the limbs start floating. I love that like. Because like just because you know, after that robot got like there's a bunch of dead pirates all over this ship right yeah like as yeah. soon as that door like the the legs and the arms and the blood just like float yeah there's definitely a reminder there that this guy has been disintegrating people and there's parts of them laying all over the place I'm glad they included that Betty announces that they've got to wait five more minutes for a complete cool down before they can start the engines but apparently. They don't have to wait. John told Betty they don't have time, so we're going to start up right now. And they fire up the ship and fly right on out as the giant passenger liner pirate ship explodes. <laughs> Once they get out, Betty informs them that Container 1 has been breached. Yeah, we just saw him cut a giant hole in it. <laughs> and there's total air loss. 
Uh, John's not worried, but Cindy hears something banging around outside the rig. Stupidest line of the movie right here. Does anybody hear something back there that sounds like there's something back there? <laughs> yeah. Uh, God bless Debbie Mazar. Yeah, she has the heaviest like Brooklyn accent ever. And uh, yeah, the redundancy. I don't know. It's kind of charming. I, she <laughs> It is a super line, but yeah, I don't know. I liked it. <laughs> Back in the cargo hold, Mike and John are investigating. They put on their spacesuits and they're going back there to figure out what's going on. As they approach uh, some machinery back there, they see a little puff of smoke coming up. So Mike grabs the fire extinguisher off the wall and they come around the corner and shoot the fire extinguisher at whatever is there. It's what's left of Captain Macanudo. Damn, he's, man. He's completely melted from the waist down. So he's just sitting in this breached container with no air smoking his cigar. Well, he's not smoking anymore. He got put out. So like the first thing he says is light me. Yes. And yeah, so uh, they, they they light up the cigar and he starts going on like a death soliloquy. Uh, I don't know. Like bad guys, they always got to do that. They got to like... Uh, give long ass speeches and shit, you know? So like, this is his death speech. This is a swan song. So he's like, you know, telling them all this, tell them how the company screwed him over and right. have created the robots. And yeah, he explains to them exactly what their cargo is. When they ask how bad, how bad is it going to get? He tells them if I had an anus, I probably soil myself. <laughs> Well, Captain Macanudo gives John the remote control and tells him how to shut down the robots. Uh, he does tell them that they'll come in waves, first one and then two and then four and then eight uh, like that. And then he dies. So they got to whenever they disable him, they got to wait for that entire wave to get at him and then disable. Him. And then there's like a, a, a restart period. And then like the next wave will come. Right. The robots are coming through. John does use the the remote control to shut them down. They go back looking in the container and they see four more robots starting to power up, but the remote doesn't work yet. The remote won't shut them down until they're fully powered up and on the hunt. So they, they got some time. <laughs> yep. They are investigating with a cheap plastic flashlight. Yeah, they should have. Not a space flashlight. Yeah, this is like some crappy shit that you like your dad would give you camping and like it die in five minutes yeah this is the worst flashlight ever well instead of four robots coming after him only two come after him they try to find the other two they're outside and of they're course. headed toward the cab cindy yeah cindy's in the cab john tells her to put her spacesuit on she gets it on says hey look what i did just as the robots bust through the windshield and so now we've got a fight Inside the cab of the truck, John is fighting against one with a uh, with a sword. Mike is standing in front of the control panel, and the second robot won't shoot at him because his programming will not allow him to damage their transport. Yeah, as soon as they came out of the airlock, like uh, the robot, like smacked the remote out of its hand, out of uh, Mike's hand, and it right. went flying. So. And that's why it was over there by there. And it's like, oh, shit, now we don't have the remote. So that's out. Yeah, the remote's gone. They can't power these things down anymore. Cindy pops out of somewhere and she's got a gun. She shoots at one of the robots and 
then backs into like an elevator or something. Airlock. And uh, the door, the robot's going after her, but the door kind of closes on it and traps it there. It can't reach her. So its belly opens up and all these tentacles come flying out and wrapping around her. Yeah, it's got guts. Mike smashes it in the head with the fire extinguisher and then starts spraying the fire extinguisher on the tentacles, thinking he can freeze them. Meanwhile, John has pulled the microwave out of its cabinet. He smashes it down over the head of the other robot and turns it on. I love that. You can't put metal in the microwave, right? I try to touch uh, John Canyon. Yeah, John Canyon microwaved robot head. (laughs) Put it in a 30-second button and watch that sucker explode. And he kicks him and sends him flying out through the windshield out into space. The bullets wouldn't hurt the robot, but apparently the fire extinguisher is enough to do it. Well, the airlock kind of squeezes his head. Okay. when, uh, When the guts hit her and stuff, yeah, the laser eyes are like powered down, so it, it was probably like I don't know some kind of like thing where it's like the head is not you know this disabled, so like it was like well then the guts after, so like he he froze the guts right, and plus when when she sat shattered the guts after they got frozen, it probably just killed it. Yeah, so she shattered all of those little tentacles and 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 escaped, but John reminds them that the next wave will have eight robots. Also, they've arrived at Earth. Yeah, they're just, they're entering, you know, the orbit of Earth. So it's like, hey, we're almost there. Right. So John's got a plan here. He's going to send Cindy and Mike in the escape pod. Mike's going to pilot the escape pod and they're going to go to Earth. John's going to go out in the spacesuit. He's going to unhook the truck from the killer robot trailers and he will join them there. Meanwhile, the robot trailers. Uh, they're in a rapidly decaying Earth orbit, so they will enter the Earth's atmosphere and burn up, and that's the end of the killer robots. Yeah, and he's just going to pilot his truck down because it's a bad, you know, it's an old-timey... It's an old truck. It can handle it. Bad MF. He's got it. Don't worry about it. He tells her, you know, hey, uh, sorry I, I made you, you know, promise to marry me to get to Earth. That was kind of, like, shitty of me. That would absolve you that, you know, you two kids... You know, hit the interstate and like find the first chap off, you know, the interstate, get married and don't worry about me. I got this. Well, they hop in the escape pod. Uh, Mike tells him that he will meet them at the Palmdale spaceport. I I guess they're landing in California. I guess. I don't know. New Earth is weird. Yeah. The only place I know is New New York. And I'm not (laughs) sure if that's in New York, actually. That could be an LA too. I don't know. It probably is. <laughs> <laughs> well, John goes out to blow the locks to release the load. He's got a bunch of plastic explosives that he's just taking his time setting this up. He knows there's robots coming, but he's he's not getting in any hurry. He has tethered himself to the truck as he's doing all of this. And here come the robots over the trailers towards him. Well, John also has his gun, so he fires at the robots, and that propels him away from them, a safe distance away. It gets him right to the door of the truck, though. It's kind of cool. Yeah, and he's got all eight robots there now. The robots are checking out the explosives, and John sets them off, and it doesn't do anything, including to the robots. So John puts up his hands like he's going to surrender, 
And behind the robots, we see the escape pod. That's right. Yeah. It sneaks right up behind them. And then Mike turns on the engines and incinerates robots. Yeah. And flies away. John goes from surrendering to give them the double bird. And then they right. put the bird on and it vaporizes the shit out of them. John gets back in his truck and he heads down to Earth with the load of killer robots. More robots are awake, but he does a barrel roll and sends them spinning off into space. Do a barrel roll. Then they actually hit the atmosphere and the trailers start breaking off and burning up. And then he plummets down into the atmosphere with just his truck. It's kind of like when uh, truck drivers or you see in truck driver movies and stuff when they got to go down a mountain without any brakes. Right. This is like the space truckers version of that. It's mm-hmm. like, well, I, I can't stop. You know, I got to kill these robots. So I got to, you know, land this truck on fire and shit. So he, he goes like full, you know, plate to the metal, just like gases it and like just starts going toward Earth. Well, we cut to the desert floor. The rescue pod has landed and it's half buried in the sand. It just nose first into the de- into the desert floor. Uh, Mike and Cindy made it. They're safe. And they see John burning through the atmosphere and they start cheering him on. He's going to make it. He's going to make it. They don't know that there's a killer robot in the truck with him yet. But they're sure he's going to make it. And then the truck explodes. Boom. Maybe John just died. But then they hear shouting and they turn around and look behind him. And here comes John with a parachute. (laughs) The truck was way over there. John's over here. Yeah. Don't know how that works, but John made it safely to Earth. I don't know where he had that parachute hidden. I don't either. That was an option. He doesn't pay for options. Yeah. (laughs) And like. Hands is just like connected to his arms. It wasn't like it was part of his spacesuit. You know, right. it wasn't like a backpack. It was just on his arms. Yeah. Next, we hear a breaking news report of how two space truckers and a waitress have saved the world from an invasion from outer space. There is a crowd of people outside the Palmdale General Hospital. And when we're looking at this, you know, we see some spaceships, some, some things flying around in the air. There's a lot of windows broken out of this building. Yeah. I thought it was like reflections or something, but yeah, no, closer inspection, uh, like there's like cracks and like broken windows and stuff all over the place. Also, like, I don't know if those people are standing outside the hospital to see the people that saved Earth or like healthcare has gotten so bad that how big mine is yeah, I think I think they're just lined up there at the hospital. Yeah. But, Not really uh, sure. They go into the hospital and like uh they're gonna meet uh Cindy's mom. And Cindy's mom is super young. She looks exactly the same as, as she did in the photo that we saw earlier. Her name is Carol, and she explains that 20 years ago when she got sick, they froze her. And then when they figured out how to cure what was wrong with her, they thawed her out. And that was the operation that it was to cure her. And now she's fine. Also, to totally sell the point that this is Cindy's mom, they make this poor actress do Brooklyn accent. And it kind of, like, that accent's totally fake. Like, Debbie Mays. Oh, yeah. But, like, yeah, Carol's is, like, just doesn't fit that lady at all. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Well, security bursts into the room. They're taking charge. Mike jumps up doing what's going on here and pat that man down. 
it turns out the president's coming to visit them. And this next scene, I don't want to get political, but when this scene was made, was shot in 1996, it was ridiculous. The police would never attack a crowd of people to clear them out so the president could come through. <laughs> but that's exactly what they do. Police in riot gear attack all the people in front of the hospital to clear them out so that the president of the world can come. And it's it's Sykes. It is EJ Sags, the Sags. president of the world. And he's here to express his gratitude. John thought said he thought Dopey was president. And Sags explained that Dopey resigned and the government has been privatized. And the company now runs everything. So, okay. All right. I see. Okay. Oh, man. Yeah. The, the whole robot thing was kind of like a corporate takeover of the New World Order or something. Yeah. Well, Sags denies knowing anything about the robots. And then he explains that he knows all about the robots. Yeah. So he's bought John a new truck. He has paid off Cindy's mom's hospital bill, and he's brought them a suitcase full of money to buy their silent. Mike and Cindy don't want to take the money, but John shuts them down and thanks the president profusely for his generosity. Uh, we won't say a word. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> Once the president leaves, Mike and Cindy... Uh, confront john about this and 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 they don't want anything to do with this money mike throws the suitcase of money out the window of the hospital downstairs we see president sags getting into his limousine as he gets in he takes out a remote control and pushes a button on it outside the limousine we see the suitcase full of money falling towards his limo and exploding <laughs> President Sags just blew himself up. That's like some stuff out of like a Wile E. Coyote uh, cartoon. Yeah, that's exactly where that came from. <laughs> well, the gang decide they need to leave now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cut to a shot of John's shiny new rig. And all four of them, John and Cindy's mom and Cindy and Mike, are blasting off. We see footage of a space shuttle-style launch of John's new truck and roll credits. Roll credits. That was a fun movie. It was it was stupid, but it was fun. You tell like uh, everybody did it kind of just for a paycheck, but like uh, they had a lot of money to do that with. So it was like that's why it looked so good. But yeah, it was like it was kind of just a movie that was like crapped out. Yeah, the art department on this film was massive. Um, yeah. They, that's where they spent most of the money there. Yeah, they got some big name actors, but a lot of this went to set design, sets and special effects. Oh, yeah. It kind of reminds me of uh, Tank Girl, but somehow Tank Girl got a bigger following than this movie. I think they came out like the same time. Yeah, this this movie deserves more credit than it's getting, I think. Well, it, it's really generic title. The Space Truckers, I mean, come on. Right. But yeah, I mean, hell, Stuart Gordon, Ted Mann, they know what they're doing. Yep. I like it. Yeah, I do too. All right, man, that's a podcast. Oh, yeah.
We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We had a lot of fun making it. Be sure to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you hear us. You can follow CDF Pod on Facebook and Instagram or at CDF underscore pod on Twitter. You can also visit our website at CDFpod.com. And don't forget you can help us make donations to film schools all across the country by going to Patreon.com slash CDFpod. Join us next time as we explore another movie so awesome it probably shouldn't have been made.